Today, we are going to uh, give every one of you one of these books. It's called the uh, Faith Basics Guide. And I want to just start by telling you a story. You know, when you have a granddaughter who is a year and a half old, you learn all kinds of songs that you otherwise may not have ever learned. One of the songs that I've learned recently is the song, um, We Don't Talk About Bruno. Now, how many of you know that song? Oh, look at you. Love you guys. Now, I'd like to sing it, but I'm not really good at it. But this is a song that comes from a Disney movie called Encanto. And um, it kind of goes like this. We don't talk about Bruno. No, 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 no. So even though I don't know the tune, I can do no, 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 no. And little Eleanor on FaceTime, she looks at me like she's getting it. And she starts to dance a little bit. I'll do anything for that girl. You know what I'm saying? You know, what's interesting about that song is it doesn't really make a lot of sense outside of the movie. It talks about this eccentric, mysterious, uh, recluse uncle named Bruno. And in the story, Bruno, whenever he speaks a prophecy out loud, it always comes true. Like when Bruno said... It's going to rain on your wedding day, and it was a beautiful sunny day, it rained on the wedding day. Like when Bruno says to one of the guys in his town, you know what, you're going to grow a gut. And like so many people, us and myself included, he looked down and he had a gut. And another guy, he says, you know what, your hair's all going to go away, and sure enough, he, he went bald. That's, now, I don't know how I would rate those as prophetic things. But anyway, no, no, no. We don't talk about Bruno. But what do we talk about? You know, have you ever given thought to what topics occupy your conversations? You know, when Jesus was here, it was so interesting because Jesus would often talk about subjects that they, people didn't want to talk about. For instance, I don't, people don't like to talk about death. Do you like to talk about death? I'm tired. I'm tired of death. Oh, my goodness. In what I do, I end up doing a lot of funerals. I don't like death. I don't like to hear of people that are sick. I, I, I just, but did you know that human beings are expert at denying the reality of death? We go to great lengths to not think about it. We also don't like to talk about sin and failure. Because when I talk about sin and failure, you know what? It doesn't make me feel very good because when I think about my sin and my failure, it makes me feel ashamed or guilty or maybe I'm unworthy or inadequate and I'd I'd just rather not know. But Jesus, he would bring up these topics intentionally. And I want to talk to you about two conversations he had with two different men. The first man is a man who had spent his life doing his best to be a good man. His name is Nicodemus, and it's found in John chapter 3, and many of you will not find this unfamiliar. And then the other man that I want to talk to you about is a guy whose life was a total wreck, 
it was on public display because he was one of the two thieves that was crucified when Jesus was crucified and Jesus had a conversation with him. And the topic today is how do we have eternal life? How do you have eternal life? In John chapter 3, let's talk about eternal life first. It says this, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, and he came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things, these signs that you do unless God is with them. So his interest had been piqued. Nicodemus had been watching Jesus and listening to him, and then in the middle of this conversation in verse 3, Jesus abruptly shifts the focus of the conversation And this is what he says. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly I say to you, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus says that there's something very fundamental that needs to shift in his life or he will not see the kingdom of God. It is mysterious. He said it's like being born again. In verse four, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? I mean, he's saying, Jesus, you're, you're speaking a little bit absurd here. This is, how can this be? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. So Nick. Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, I I am talking to you about something that could happen to you that will alter the way you are today. It it will be the, the door that will open up a supernatural experience and transformation in the presence of God. It's like the wind, real and invisible. In verse nine, Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, but you do not receive our witness. But if if I have told you earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must he, the Son of Man, be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And then here is our verse. I love this. It's actually one of my favorite. Verse 16, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but should not perish. That's one of those topics we want to stay away from, right? But have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That is incredibly good news. Did you hear that? God is not angry with you. He is not disgusted with you. He is not done with you. He doesn't think that you are unworthy or without hope. He doesn't, he hasn't discarded you thinking that there can't be any reasonable future in your life. I mean, God so loved the world. That's you. 
that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Do you ever deal with self-condemnation? Do you ever feel like, you know, I, I don't know if I really can be saved because there are things in my life I'm ashamed of. I, I do things that I feel guilty about. I don't ever think I could be worthy of salvation. You know, one of the reasons why we're, we, we want to walk through these nine topics is this. Honestly, there's a whole lot of Ozark Christians who don't live with the strong sense of security and clarity about where they stand with God and what their future holds. And here's the deal. If you don't know how wonderful and marvelous salvation is, if you don't fully understand the incredible idea that this perfect holy God in heaven sent his son to take our place on a cross so that he could freely forgive us and transform us and like the wind change our lives to the power of his Holy Spirit, if, if you don't fully understand that, you, you won't be inclined to talk about it. So we're going to go through these faith basics because I think it's important for us to nail down what we believe based upon what scripture has to say and to have a growing confidence to fully appreciate and enjoy the good gifts God has given us. Um, he goes on in verse 18, and I'm not gonna read all of that, but he, it says, you know, one of the things that goes on is that people... They, they prefer darkness rather than light, and that's why they don't want to come into the light, because if they come into the light and establish a relationship with God, then all of a sudden the darkness in their lives gets exposed, and they feel guilty and ashamed and unworthy once again. And the key to being able to step into the light is to understand that Jesus did not come to condemn us, but that the world through him might be saved. And so the, the, the forgiveness that is given through Jesus is absolutely the most amazing topic. He's willing to forgive us. He does all the work, we get all the benefit. Who can be saved? Anybody who comes to Jesus. John Ortberg is one of my favorite authors, and he had this to say about the kingdom of heaven. Um, he says, you know, the problem many times is that a lot of people think that uh, I need to get saved, which means um, I'm taking care of what I need to take care of when I die. But I'm still alive, right? So I kind of like pray the prayer, say the words, thank you for that card. It's my get out of hell free card. I stick it in my back pocket, and when it's time to play it, I will. Bam. He said, but that's not, really, that's not really the gospel. You know what the gospel is? 
The gospel is Jesus inviting in you, in, you and me into a relationship now. His book entitled Eternity is Now in Session talks about the point that what true salvation is, is that when we come to Jesus, he invites us into eternity at that point. And the relationship that we can have with Jesus on a day-to-day -day basis in our ordinary lives is so profound, even death is unable to interrupt it. John Ortberg goes on and he says this, I'm going to quote now, we think that eternal life is only about what happens to us when we die, and we don't understand that Jesus' offer is about life right now, right here. It's the greatest invitation that has ever been offered to humanity. Jesus' core message is not about what happens when you, when you die, but it's about a relationship with God right here, right now. Jesus how can I walk with you and do good in this moment? Shame is a crushing sense of defeat and inward negativity. That, that, uh, the thought that I am inadequate, I'm not the person I'm supposed to be. The capacity to have shame is a good thing. To be shameless isn't good. A sociopath is shameless. That is not good. We need the capacity for shame. Sin is a big topic. I have a friend uh, who... Uh, who I am open and honest with, I decided I needed a friend with whom I could not have any secrets. We, we decided to do this. And so for a few days I prepared. I wrote down all the things in my life that made me ashamed. We met for an hour and a half and I told him those things. For an hour and a half, I did not even want to look at him. I got to the end of that hour and a half and I finally looked up and the words he said I did not expect. He said, John, I have never loved you more than I love you right now. That's after hearing all of his secrets. You cannot be loved without being known. And you are only fully loved when you are fully known. Is that long as there is something you don't know about me, you may say you love me, but shame will say inside of me, if you knew about me what I haven't told you, you wouldn't love me. This is where confessing and being forgiven by God is so important. When we don't understand the completeness of the grace and the forgiveness of God, we don't really understand what Jesus is offering. The, in the church, we sometimes try to become perfect in, in that we become, we don't become, we, we can't be transparent anymore. I mean, the message of grace is that God accepts you precisely as you are. You don't have to clean up before you come to him. Actually, it's impossible for you to clean up. God's plan is to clean you up and to forgive you. God, when you say, God, I am turning my life and my will over to you, my way is no good anytime my way goes away from your will. It is going to mess things up. So I surrender to you. I come exactly as I am. And it is only by grace I am accepted.
why is a relationship with Jesus the most profound, transforming relationship any individual could ever know? It's because God sees you today through and through. He x-rays deep into the recesses of your heart. Right now. You know that thing you don't want to think about that you might be thinking about. And God says, I know. I know. I paid for that. If you come to me, I forgive you. You know, there was this uh, pet store and, and um, this lady walked into the pet store and there was a talking parrot. She was getting other things for her other pets, but this talking parrot, as she walked by, says to this lady, you're ugly. I had to lighten the mood because y'all were getting lost. You're ugly. And she's like, oh my goodness. But she thought, well, maybe I didn't hear that correctly. And as she left, the, the, the parrot said, you're ugly. But she, she just brushed it off. That's what, you going to let a parrot bother you? No. But then she came back the next time, and as she walked in the door, the parrot didn't say that to anybody else in the room, but she, he, the parrot said to her, you're ugly. This time she is like incensed. She's so irritated. She goes to the pet owner and she says, this talking parrot of yours, every time I come into the store, this parrot says, you're ugly. I can't stand it. He says, don't worry, lady, lady I'll, I'll take care of that parrot. So the owner scolded the parrot, kind of knocked it around a little bit and put it back out. The next time the lady came in, the parrot just stared at her, but didn't say a word. I'm so glad some of you are laughing. <clears throat> this is not a politically correct joke. Um, and as she was leaving, the parrot just looked at her and said, you know. <laughs> you know the great thing about Jesus? He knows. And he loves. And he paid. And he freely gives forgiveness. Because he doesn't want any of you to perish. But he's offering to us eternal life. I think that if any, when any of us get to heaven, we're going to be there and we're going to say to each other, this is what I'm going to tell you. I can't believe I'm here. I don't deserve this. But this makes me love God so much. So for time and eternity, I will gladly join you in worshiping a God who gives so freely and forgives so completely those who are undeserving 
of his grace and mercy, forgiveness, and his love. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. If you read the gospel and you read the Bible, you discover that eternal life is possible. Secondly, the second person that we see is in Luke 23, and the topic here is forgiven. Forgiven. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him. Let me just remember, these are three men who have been beaten and brutalized and they've been nailed to a cross. And they are dying, but ever so slowly. And the agony of those hours is beyond description. And people are coming around the cross, and they especially are paying attention to Jesus, and they're saying things like, oh, King, King Jesus, if, if you are really the son of God, well then get off that cross and save yourselves. And the amazing thing is, he could have at any moment gotten off that cross and saved himself, but he stayed on that cross to save us. They spit at him, they mocked him. And then one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, railed at him. That's not a sweet word, is it? saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we unjustly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, Today you will be with me in paradise. You know that forgiveness is one of the most powerful things known to mankind. Forgiveness is more powerful than failure or offense. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, there's one statement in what we often call the Lord's Prayer that is something to do. I mean, it, and it, it, it doesn't say in the Lord's Prayer, and be sure you, you, you give more or drink less or do good or be nice. No, no, there's not a list of things. It, there's one thing that has to do with relationships, and it's this statement. Forgive us of our sin as we forgive those who sin against us. I mean, the, the central activity that you and I should be doing is one thing, and that is God forgive us as we for, and we help us to forgive those who sin against us. Because the truth is, sin, offense, hurts, uh, drives wedges through every family, every relationship. 
None of you have perfect family members. I'm a father. I, am an in, I tell my kids this, I'm an imperfect gift to you. I get some things right and I've hurt you deeply and I'm so sorry. Some of you are angry at your parents because they, they, they were, you know, they did good things but they did something bad and you're still mad at that. So mad at that you can't even see what good they did. And Jesus would say, in this prayer every day, every single day, because every single day something's happened, you pray, God, forgive me of my sin as I forgive those who sin against me. See how powerful and necessary and central forgiveness is? What do we need from God? We need to be forgiven. It's at the center of salvation. And God freely forgives those who confess their sin. The greatest power to resolve relational brokenness that plagues our lives is forgiveness. We need to be forgiven by God and we need to learn to forgive like Jesus forgives. Anybody come into your mind right now? You might be saying, now pastor, don't get too close. Okay, sorry, but that's what we're here to do. In Luke 17, this is what Jesus says, take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. Um, I mean, like, if somebody's doing something wrong, you should tell them, right? So you can restore. Like, don't talk about them, talk to them. Most of the time what we do when we're hurt is we like, we, we, try, to, we try to take our, our bitterness of heart toward them for what they've done and spread it to as many people as we can because we feel better that way. I'm not alone. And then now when they walk into the room, the whole room is mad at them and they don't even know why because the only person they hurt is you. But thank you very much. You've, you've shared your bitterness with your stories and your attitude and now all of your friends can't stand them either. Maybe you've been on the receiving end of that. Like, how come everybody's mad at me? Well, if you go and you, you should go and talk to them. And, and if, they, if they listen and they say, okay, I'm sorry, forgive them. And if he sins against you seven times a day and seven times in a day returns to you and says, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostles said, to the Lord, you're kidding me, Jesus. This guy is back for the seventh time on this same day, and he's asking me to forgive him. And what am I supposed to do? I'm, I'm supposed to forgive him? And here's their response Lord, increase our faith. You know, sometimes God gifts you with siblings that can pester you to no end. You think this offending you seven times a day is a metaphor? Uh-uh. It can happen. You know what Jesus is saying? Here's the, the truth about um, relationships in a fallen world. We all will require forgiveness often. 
Followers of Jesus should be committed to forgiveness because we have been the recipients of a forgiveness that is undeserved, unearned, and beyond description. What do they say? Well, then Jesus increase our faith. You know, a lot of times we ask God for bigger faith because we think, hey, listen, if I, if I had bigger faith, I, mean, I, I might be more successful. I could walk on water, move mountains. I, I have a whole long list of things I need faith for. But you know what you really need faith for on a more practical level? You need faith to keep forgiving the people in your life that hurt you and wound you. And that's, what, that's what you and I need faith for every day. Now, I'm not saying if you're in a, in a dynamic where you're being abused and you're in trouble and, and the cycle of abuse is, is destroying you. I'm not saying you should stay there. You should get out. But, but we're, we're not talking about that. We're talking about the teaching of Jesus to forgive. Forgiveness is an act of power. It is not an act of subservience. It is an act of power. You don't forgive because you're helpless. You forgive because you're acting in power to do so with the faith in God who will help you do it. When you have power, you have to decide whether to use that power to forgive or to withhold forgiveness. Um, How much faith do you really want? Perhaps the most powerful words you will ever speak into someone's life is, I forgive you. Will you say that with me right now just to kind of get it going? Here we go. I forgive you. Come on, one more time. I forgive you. Now think about the person you need to say that to. And here we go, because we're in church, but we don't want to just play church. You want to be the church. Here we go. I forgive you. It's the most powerful thing you can do. Because when you forgive you are declaring a future for the person that you have forgiven. When you forgive, you have just said, I believe in you. I believe you will change. I I have faith to believe that your past will not always be your future. I have faith to believe that your worst moment will not define you forever. I have the faith to set you free so that you will live life like you were created to live it. I have enough faith to believe that I'm powerful enough to forgive you and to be free from the bitterness of the wounds you gave me. Because let me tell you, the bitterness flows with the wounds. So, forgiveness, this is the kind of forgiveness that is given to us. Forgiveness is always undeserved. You might say, well, it's just not fair that I forgive them. No, it's not. It just costs so much for me to forgive them. Yes, it does. And that's how God has forgiven us. And he says, I want you to go and change the world by allowing my power and my forgiveness and my grace to flow in you and through you. Maybe some of you are here today and you, you, you need to go and you need to, you need to ask someone to forgive you. And I don't know how they're going to respond 
but to humble yourself and go and say, listen, I, I'm, I did something wrong. Will you, will you forgive me? And maybe they won't. But here's the thing. The moment you go and confess your offense or sin to them, regardless of their response, God takes away the sting of your shame and helplessness and his power flows to you. God has great news for us. Forgiveness is central to what he does and it is central to the mission that you and I are on in a fallen world where both you and I are always making mistakes and sinning and hurting other people. You say, but if I forgive somebody, I open myself up to be hurt again. You know what the truth is? Yep. You do. But the heart of God says, let me, let me give you more power to endure more hurt and love more powerfully. You need more faith to let me do the complete work. I don't deserve forgiveness. No one has ever deserved forgiveness. The whole point of forgiveness is that it is not deserved. And it's always costly. And by the example of Jesus, it is freely given and comes with love and compassion and defies the natural order of the hardening of hearts that has destroyed our world. So how are you going to you know, how does God want to give us eternal life? Well, um, Romans chapter 10. This is what we teach in Sunday school. The ABCs of salvation. Ever remember that? You remember that? Let me tell you. Here's A. Admit you're a sinner. B. Believe the, in Jesus. He is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the only one who can save you and redeem you because he was the only sinless sacrifice who went to a cross. And see, confess him as Lord. Confess him as Lord. So, this is the conversation we need to be having. You know, my, uh, my dream is this, that all of us would have this conversation. If you're a father, you should have this conversation with every child that you have. We've got to stop with this idea that, oh, I got saved, so it's, it's done. I'm done, let's move on. No, 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 I got saved, and I want to talk about it all the time for the rest of my life. And I'm going to talk about that to my kids. You say, well, I don't know how to talk about that. That's why we're giving you this book right here, okay? Because this book will lead you through this really amazing 
little short exercise. If you were to die today, how sure are you, are you that you would go to heaven? Is it 0%, 50%, 75%? Is it 100%? Well, I don't know. I don't think I'm good enough to go to heaven. Exactly. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The thief on the cross dying. If anybody knew how, pain, how much pain and suffering Jesus went through in order to pay the price of sin, it was the thief on the cross. I don't know how his theology went, but I bet that when he, he finally got into paradise, which is just an, a metaphor for in, into the kingdom of God, into eternal life, and he's still there. That, I bet he's been studying with Moses and he, he understands more fully. I get it now. Jesus was the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. I, I remember how much that hurt. And to think that Jesus, who didn't have to do that, chose to do that in order to save me and give me what I could never earn. I will love him forever. So, today, if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior, Savior, 